All right, um, since uh, Tim is not here, uh, I'm not going to read Hebrews 12:5 to 17. I don't know what he was going to say. Um, but uh, I would like to read something out of Scripture uh, because we are a Bible-believing church and uh, we open up the Word of God and listen to what he has to say. And, um, um, and then discuss that. So Ephesians chapter 2 um, is our passage, and we're going to read uh, verses 1 through 10. Um, but before I do that, um, um, I just want to uh, uh, encourage us to think about a few things. Um, every human being, every one of you out here, is an artist. Uh, you have... Um, abilities to build or to design um, uh, or to um, uh, you know paint <laughs> um, or sculpt um, or invent um, and uh, everybody has ability um, or someone has ability to clean. One might have an ability to cook. Someone might have ability to run well. Um, someone swims well. Um, and uh, someone fixes things, like a doctor or a mechanic. Um, and the more they do it, the better they get at it, and they become an artist at this particular thing, like someone becomes an artist at swimming, or an artist at painting, or an artist at whatever work you have. Um, and so um, there's, you are putting form uh, to, uh, to something that didn't have form already, like someone who bakes a cake. You know, it, uh, it, wasn't, it was formless and didn't do any, and wasn't able to be edible because all the ingredients were separate. And then someone bakes it, put it together, puts it together, and then creates something that is a work of art. And Diane Bowden is a perfect example of this. If you have not had any of her cook, uh, bakery, um, you're missing something. Um, and so uh, some people, that do, whatever you do well, uh, people recognize it and they see you as, hey, man, that is a great job. Uh, you're like an artist at whatever uh, it is that you're doing. Um, and um, why is that? Why, why, why are we artists? Why does everybody have an ability to do something? Well, that's because God, God is an artist. Um, and how do we know that God is, God is an artist? Well, you can look around. Where did all this stuff come from? You know, um, where did the trees come from? You know, where did the ground come from? Where did the earth come from? Where did the atoms come from? We look at the, the details of what makes up every single molecule and every single thing that makes up the universe. Who made the uh, stars and the galaxies? God made these things. He's an artist. And if you look at certain, if you look at each individual thing, like a, a nebula or a particular star, there's beauty in and of itself in that one particular thing. Uh, there's beauty inside of an atom, how it was created. There's beauty in a molecule. There's a beauty in every single rock. If you study it, you find there's beauty into it. Um, and if you collect a whole bunch of, or you see a whole bunch of rocks uh, built together, uh, like something like the Grand Canyon, then you recognize that, hey, you know, there really is some art there. Well, you know, God is an artist 
He should be recognized for that. And uh, there are some people who are fools who say that there is no God, there is no artist. They just take a look at the art and say, hey, okay, that's beautiful. But then they don't give credit where credit is due. It's like going to an art gallery and saying, looking at a piece of art on the wall and, and saying, no, no one made that, and that's ridiculous. It's not going to, that is not the way it is. The artist who made the artist on the wall, the art on the wall, should get credit for what he did. God is an artist. He made everything, and he made you. Um, is God, and so, um, is God, all right, so we know that from looking thing, at things around us. Do we know that God's an artist based upon Scripture? Oh, yes, yeah, right. Uh, in the beginning, God created uh, the heavens and the earth. He created the land, water, skies, clouds, trees, bushes, bugs, animals, birds, fishes, and in the pinnacle of his creation, he created human beings. And if you look at the human being, you say, there is art there. I mean, there's art in every single life. There's art in everything. But you look at how uh, molecules are created and how cells are made and then how all the cells work in the body and all the systems work together. God is a designer. He is a builder. He is an artist. He's done a fantastic job at whatever he does. In fact, he can't do no other. Um, he is an artist, and so he did. He created all these things way back when. Does God still create? Is God still an artist? Is God still working on some kind of art? And you would probably say yes, and I'm going to say yes, because that uh, um, leads us to the passage that we're talking about today. Um, God is still working on the pinnacle of his creation. God still is working on you. In fact, unfortunately... God has to work on you because there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with all of us. Satan has introduced something into what God has created. God tried to create something, create something beautiful. Satan tried to introduce something into um, God's creation. In fact, he didn't mess around with anything else. He went straight to the top. He went straight to what God, uh, God's greatest creation, he went to to the pinnacle, and he um, caused, I guess, threw a wrench into God's uh, gears. He put something ugly into the beauty that God had created. God was trying to create. Satan's, um, is his purpose is to destroy. So God is creating something, and yet um, Satan is trying to destroy that which God creates. And so God has to come in and say, all right, there's ugliness here. These people are created in my image. I don't like it. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to restore them to the beauty that they originally had. And so this is what God is about. It's about restoration. He's about working on his people. Now, not every, every human being is going to fall under this category because not every human being believes in God. But to those people that he goes after and he um, chooses and he um, works in, gets rid of the ugliness, brings in beauty back, back to what uh, the human being was supposed to be like, 
then those people become beautiful, and those people are the restoration project that that, that God has. Um, and so, uh, what what, is, what do these verses have to do with that? Um, that's what we're going to read, and then we'll talk about it. All right, uh, Ephesians two, um, uh, chapter one. I mean, chapter. I mean, Ephesians chapter two, verse one. dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so the main point of this passage, um, there's a lot in here. But the main idea of this passage is that we are God's workmanship. We, as the people of God, are a work of art that God is working on. You aren't where you need to be. I'm not where I need to be. But God is going to make sure we get there because his name is at stake. All right? Not only are you a human being creating the image of God, but you who believe in Jesus who are a child of God, you are supposed to be, you know, God's uh, emissaries. Um, You are ministers of reconciliation. Um, You are people who exhibit who God is. When people look at you, they see God. And so God is very concerned. Um, if, If people who are looking into the church can't see God in us, if they can't see beauty in us, then they're not going to see God um, unless God sovereignly says, hey, go read the Bible or come to me. And he does do that. Um, I've known people that come to this church uh, um, who God just, they didn't know anything about God. They said, hey, I haven't ever read the Bible before. I don't know anything about God. I'm just going to come. And they did. And then they became a believer, not because someone called them or exhibited these characteristics of God, but because God sovereignly came and um, drew uh, drew them. Um, And so the main point of this is that God is an artist. We are the art form. We are the medium. And we are his restoration project. Um, 
you know, there are a lot of builder shows that talk about, you know, this old house is an old one or extreme makeover. I don't know what, uh, fixer upper, I think is another one. Um, and this is exactly what God is doing. We are fixer uppers, you know. If we would analyze our lives correctly, if, and um, if you know yourself, there is something ugly in you, there's something ugly in me, there's something about me that I don't like. If there's, something, if, if there's nothing about you that you don't like, you don't see yourself as God sees you. There is something that needs to be worked on. There is something ugly in there. Ask your spouse, right? Uh, ask a, good, a really good friend, a true friend. They will tell you, you need to work on this. You know, right? There is something wrong with us. So, God wants to work on us, and he's going to do it because he's concerned for his name, and he's an artist. So, what did God do? What, what according to this passage, is God in the business of doing? Um, If you look at uh, verses 4 to 6, it says here, But God, being rich in mercy, because, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so God takes us who are spiritually dead. We have no ability to, um, to do good. Um, we simply lived in the passions of the flesh, just caring about what, our, what, we, what we desire. Um, and to our own detriment sometimes, um, because the things that we desire sometimes get us in trouble and cause us uh, difficulty and are ugly, um, that God is making us alive. God is in the business of taking that which is um, dead and making it alive. And this is what he does in his people. Um, So now that God has made us alive, we have a spiritual ability to do something good. We have ability to obey our parents. We have um, ability to love. We have ability to be selfless. We have ability to actually sacrifice what I want to do for the sake of someone else. Um, Where before, uh, if God were not working in us, we would not have uh, this ability. Um, and so, um, what did Adam look like before uh, God breathed breath into his nostrils? Just a lifeless body, you know, laying on the ground. Maybe he was standing him up, you know, playing with his arms. I don't know, whatever. But Adam was dead. He wasn't able to move uh, himself. So, but when God breathed into his nostrils, he came alive. He had ability to move and to act um, and do the things that God uh, commanded him to do. And so the same way that God breathed life into Adam is the same way that God does with his people, is that he breathes life into us, and he gives us ability to, to love where it was impossible to love. We can even love our enemies, right? Um, Um, and so, 
a, um, a good analogy for this, um, uh, making alive, um, and because we human beings are spiritually dead, you know, the, this passage before says that we were dead in our trespasses and sin, um, is, is something like Lazarus, you know. Lazarus, Lazarus uh, could not um, do anything when he was in the grave, right? He couldn't do anything when he was in the tomb. Um, and so, uh, you know, Lazarus couldn't just on his own volition say, hey, let me get up out of the tomb, let me go, do, go back to doing the things that I was doing. What did it take for Lazarus to get up out of the tomb? It took Jesus speaking a word, Lazarus, to come forth. Lazarus come out. Well, how could Lazarus even hear what Jesus had to say unless God was doing something? You know, God gave you know, Lazarus some hear, hearing. God gave La- Lazarus eyesight. God gave Lazarus his mind back. You know, God gave Lazarus his ability to actually get up and walk out. Um, that's, that's God's work. And, you know, no one's ever heard of that, you know, before, before Jesus came. People were coming back from the dead. Um, so Jesus um, did that in the same way that God raised Lazarus. He's, he's working on us. And he's raising our spirits from the dead, you know, where we were ugly at one point. Now he's going to make um, some beauty. He's getting rid of that which is dead and um, um, making us alive and making us ability to, you know, produce the fruit, I guess you could say, that he wants us to exhibit. So, um, and this and this is um, so that's the one thing is that God makes us alive. There's nothing uh, Lazarus didn't participate in this aspect, and this is what uh, this is what salvation is: is that um, God sovereignly acts so that um, so that we uh, are made alive. Uh, if you look at um, you know verses. Um, Eight through nine, God saves you. You do not save yourself. Um, so, re, so looking at chapter two again, verses six through, yeah, six, uh, I'm sorry, verses eight through nine. It says, "For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing; it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast." So, this is not something that. Um, that you participate to participate in, it is simply a gift of God. God saves you. God gets the glory. God makes you alive. He's get, he gets the ball rolling. He's starting an art form uh, in you. Uh, and so, uh, and this is what uh, we we call is is justification. Is that uh, and. You know, God's uh, definition of justification, according to the Shorter Catechism, is this. Justification is an act of God's free grace, wherein he pardons all our sins, accepts us as righteous in his sight, only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. So it's God's sovereign work in us, and that's it. We don't have anything to do with our salvation. We have nothing to do with us uh, coming from the dead uh, in a spiritual sense. God makes us alive. Our spirits are now alive, and so, however, um, so, however, what is and what's the next thing that God wants to do? First of all, He does uh, what He does for us is He makes us alive. 
That's part of his artistry work. And the second thing he does is in verse 10, uh, where it says, uh, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So God creates us to do good works, but these good works that, uh, that God wants us to do have nothing to do with our being made alive again. In fact, everything, our works, are solely dependent on the fact that God has made us alive. So um, that is salvation, that God makes us alive so that we can do good works. Works have no place in saving us. Because we are saved, because we are a child of God, we now can do good things. So there's no room for us to be, uh, to pr- to be prideful at all. What's the reason why we do anything good? What's the reason why we um, can love people? Um, you know, some people will say, hey, well, you, you're so good, you've done this. Oh, look, if you knew me and God weren't working in me, I would be a very ugly person and I couldn't love people and I couldn't be good. So now that, so God should get glory. Anytime someone says, hey, you know, thank you for doing this, thank you for doing this, they say, well, you're welcome, but the only reason I can love you is because God has helped me love you. Because without God, we cannot, cannot love. All right. Um, and so, God has created us to do good works. In fact, he causes us to do good works. He doesn't want us to just simply be the same person that we used to be. He wants us to be a person who is pure and holy, uh, righteous and loving. In, um, in the Old Testament, a good... Uh, a passage to look at about what God does um, in us is Ezekiel 36. How does he create these good works that um, he created us to do? Um, Ezekiel 36 verses uh, 24, uh, 26, 27, somewhere around that. Uh, let's start in verse 25. This is Ezekiel 36, 25. Memorize it if you... Uh, um, it's a really good passage. Um, talks about what God is doing in us. Um, for his people, this is what he says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, like a soft heart instead of a hard heart. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. What is this passage saying? God is making his people alive. He's giving them a new heart. He's giving them a new spirit. He's cleansing us. That is um, God's sovereign work. But then... He says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. In other words, God is working in you. You are not going to um, exhibit any of God's characteristics unless the spirit of God is causing you to do this. And so this is what he's doing. All right, so if God is causing us, then I'm just going to sit back and just uh, let God just move me to do whatever he wants me to do, and I don't have any involvement. Well course, we know that that's not true. Um, God created us like him, 
um, with some ability to make choices and decisions. He wants us to participate with him, and this is what we find uh, in Ephesians. If you look back at Ephesians uh, chapter 2 again. In, in verse 10, again, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Um, and so, you know, God created us for good works, but he's causing us, he's already he, he's made a path, he's made a path laid out for us to, um, to do good works. And then he's calling us to walk in them. All right, here's a path. Now, you need to walk. Here's the deal. God has made us alive. He's given us new hearts. He's given us a new spirit. He's renewing our minds. He's changing our desires. He's giving us new wills. He's causing us to walk in his ways. He prompts us in different moments to do what he is, um, wants you to do. He is consistent. He is faithful in working on us. But he's also giving us some uh, creative uh, ability to work on ourselves. We are artists um, ourselves. Um, you know, we can focus on making something beautiful and... Um, getting rid of some ugliness around us, like we clean our houses and we order our yards. Uh, we brush our teeth uh, every single night uh, because we want to keep our teeth, you know, beautiful. And uh, the cavities are ugly, and you, you know, if you, the cavity goes too deep, you have to go to the dentist, and the dentist has to work to get rid of the ugliness of a cavity. Um, and so, here's the deal. We can spend a lot of time um, being busy about ordering and bringing beauty to the world around us. But we can do it so much so, and it can occupy so much of our time that we forget to focus on right here. God's um, pinnacle of his creation is us. So where should our concern be? The pinnacle of us and our artistry should not be out there. The, our greatest work and our greatest attention should be on right here. I've got a problem. But you know what? It's easier to work on everything around us. It's easy for me to order a garage. It's easy for me to order my room. It's very hard for me to order my thoughts. It's very hard for me to order my life when it's in such disarray sometimes. So... We need to focus on what God focuses on. God is in the business of working on us, and he wants us to participate with him. He's made a way for us to walk. We need to walk in it. And so, um, here's the problem. <laughs> we still have a sinful nature. We still have the flesh. We still have something to work against. But God wants us to work. He wants us to do whatever it takes um, in order to, you do, you do whatever it takes. Um, has anybody had COVID in this room? Has anybody ever been sick? When you're sick, <laughs> you do whatever it takes to get out of that sickness. 
You take vitamin C. You heat yourself up. I mean, I do. I've gotten in a hot car before trying to kill things. <laughs> um, you know, you eat uh, foods. Uh, you drink hot liquids. Whatever it is, you try to get rid of. You spend as much time as you can. In fact, all of your faculties focus on, I need to get rid of this thing because this one thing is bothering me. Well, there are greater things that bother you than that, and that is our sin. And God has and will continue to be persistent on me and you to get rid of that thing. Don't be distracted by the other things. Focus on this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you as well. God's primary concern is his righteousness in you, not in how your house looks. Not to say I mean, you shouldn't disregard that, um, but there are things that are more important. You are more important than your house. Your neighbor is more important than your dog. You know, what are you focusing on? People are important. They're images of God. And people who aren't here have ugly ugliness to them as well. Do you care for them? Do you want them to be restored like God is working on you and restoring you? So, we focus on what God focuses on. Um, you know, right now, you know, everybody here has something they need to work on. There's something that God doesn't like about you that he wants to get rid of and he wants to take that away from you. Or there may be some things that God wants to put in you. Hey, you know, God keeps prodding you to do this and to do this. Um, you know, sometimes God prods me to speak and I don't speak. But God's like, no, Andy, I've called you to speak to that person over there. You need to go talk to him. And so when I don't do that, I'm being ugly. But when I obey God, it's a beautiful thing. So every time you show love to somebody, that's a beautiful thing. Every time you speak an ill word to somebody, you know, that's an ugly thing, and God wants to get rid of that. What is it that God wants to work on? You know, what is it that God wants to get rid of in your life? You know, what does God want to add in your life? You are called not just to let go and let God do this. That's not scriptural. All right? God calls you to work with him in this aspect. Don't, um, don't let the opportunity go by. You can become more beautiful a little faster if you were, had already obeyed God, you know, a year ago or last week. Um, God's made a way for us to um, to um, become beautiful. Um, well, here it is. Um, God has made you alive. God has given you a new will. He's put a new heart in you. He's given you new desires. He's put a new spirit in you. He's caused you to walk in his ways. He's given you ability to be an artist, work on yourself, do what it takes um, to make it happen. And know this, that whenever you do, do whatever it takes to obey God, whether it's to not do something or to do something, know that God is at work. 
because there's a little better passage that talks about the participation that we have with him. Um, that is in Philippians. Um, um, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Every time you obey God, God is behind the scenes pushing you. He's causing it to happen. You can't do without him, but he wants you to participate with him. Um, make some changes. You can do it because God is working on you and he's concerned and he's an artist and he wants you to participate with him in this artistry. Um, you are his workmanship. You are his work of art. It's kind of strange that God is um, making a piece of art um, in which the art itself uh, can participate in what it becomes like a piece of clay, you know, in the potter's hand, um, you know, a, you know, a potter's going over trying to make something out of the clay, and the clay says, no, I want to be something like this, you know, make some changes. Uh, but uh, that's exactly what's going on here, is that we are a piece of clay in which we participate with God. Say. And so our, our greatest participation with God, I think, is this, and that is surrendering to God, letting him be Lord over our lives, letting him be king instead of me being king. Don't do like Adam and Eve that took matters in their own hands and listened to what the serpent said and ate of the fruit. They thought they knew what was best, but if they had listened to God, they would, you know, maybe would have lasted a little longer in the Garden of Eden, I don't know, but um, surrendering uh, to God and you'll find that uh, as a piece of clay, you'll find that God is a potter, and he does want to beautify us, and he will beautify us. Um, let him uh, have his work in you. Um, so, all right, well, let's, um, let's ask God for some prayer. Um, let's just pray to him for, and ask for his help. Um, Father, thank you so much for uh, your word that you have given to us. Um, thank you for this particular passage that tells us that you um, are working in us um, and that you are concerned for us and that we are your workmanship, we are your work of art. Lord, there are things that are very deeply rooted in us that we cannot get rid of. Um, there are things that we have established patterns in our lives that it's hard for us to get out of. Um, Lord, um, rescue us. We need uh, your spirit um, and help us in the moment uh, to say yes to you and no to whatever else is trying to scream at us. We need to listen to you. We need to surrender ourselves to you. You have bought us with a price. You own us. Um, let us give you your rightful place. Um, of Lord um, as well as Savior in our lives. Um, and we thank you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.